We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high. Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Eric, dude, um, obviously, obviously the Super Bowl is coming up this week, but one of the best things about Super Bowl week is radio row dude like there's always so many cool stories coming out some wild and random rumors coming out uh media guys from all over the world flock to the super bowl just to be a part of radio road to get dozens of interviews in uh they talked with former players current players coaches executives the whole nine yards man and we've got a doozy of a story for you but before we get into that man how are you this evening terrible i'm getting over being sick oh no man i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, no, I'm pretty good. I mean, obviously, getting over being sick always stinks, but you know, I'm getting over getting past it. You know, been doped up on cold medicines for the last few days, which has been um, fun, entertaining, whatever you want to call it. Um, but no, I mean, it took me a while to actually get around and listen to what some of the comments Sean Payton said today. Um, and I'll get this out here first and foremost. It was a very well rehearsed series of answers from him that he yes. was giving with everybody. And one thing is that on top of how rehearsed it was, coach speak exists. And there are some things he said, I'm sure there was some truth sprinkled in there, but there was some definitely mm-hmm. some stuff that was like, oh, ha ha, I'm saying this for humor, you know, as part of the rehearsal. He 100% like one of the big things I've seen on Twitter anyways, is people saying, how can he not know what the players numbers are? He knows their numbers. That was a joke. He may not have been taking a lot of time of studying studying these players yet, but he can tell you what number these guys were wearing. I, I found a, a couple of interesting nuggets that we're going to dive into here in just a couple of minutes. But that that was the one thing. Like there there is a, a a part of you know describing the process and maybe the change of what this team is doing behind the scenes. Obviously, talking specifically about doing the uh, the free agency aspect of it, examining your own players, trying to find out who you can keep, who you can't keep. Um, there's the Russell Wilson conversation we're going to get into here in just a couple minutes as well. But to say that you haven't had any 
idea of who these players are when you literally had your quarterbacks coach at the East West Shrine game. And there's reports coming out about him being enamored for lack of a better term with Talia Tagovailoa out of Maryland. Like, I mean, like you can't tell me that you don't have any idea who these players are, much less their Jersey numbers, at least at this particular point, when you have your entire scouting uh, department out there trying to get you as much information as you possibly can leading up to when you start your final decisions, which I think was the bigger point of what he was trying to get across there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty common process that teams do the first couple weeks after their season's over. It's about reevaluate. It's about evaluating the roster, figuring out what you want to do mm -hmm. with your own guys. And that's in one of the comment in one of the interviews that I was listening to the clip, I heard about it. That's kind of what he got into is that we've been spending time working, looking at our own free agents that we have doing a mm -hmm. little bit of free agents from other teams. We're still going to be doing that. And that we're having their first big draft meeting, basically draft meetings coming up this next week involving the coaching staff. Obviously the front office, the scouts, They've already had plenty of the uh, plenty of those, and now it's just bringing the coaching staffs in, uh, in on it a little bit and starting to get their their voices heard and all that. So, I mean, it's nice to know where they're at in the process. But if you've been if you follow football for a while and all that, you should know have an idea of where they're at in the process. Every team does it basically the same way. Um, only changes are a little bit is when you make obviously make a coaching change or you make a run in the playoffs then that timeline kind of gets condensed a little bit. Um, but even still, it's the same general timeline that you follow for each, that each team follows throughout the, you know, the early part of the off season before the combine with the shrine bowl and the senior bowl and, you know, free agency draft and just figuring all that stuff out. That's all pretty much the same. Yeah. I'm going to throw a, a wild card question at you here really quickly, because you talked a little bit about coaching changes and uh, this Broncos organization is currently undergoing a minor coaching change for the most part, uh, losing a couple of different position coaches. Obviously Christian Parker was the one that made the, the big news here in Broncos country. I didn't see a whole lot about Marcus Dixon, the defensive line coach going to the Minnesota Vikings, but coaching staffs are being finalized across the NFL landscape. What do these two particular losses mean for this Broncos team moving forward defensively? We'll see. I mean, both of them have gotten hyped up over the years, Christian Parker, especially so, um, being hyped up as a future defensive coordinator guy. Um, obviously, the Broncos liked him. They blocked lateral moves for both Parker and Dixon last year when they both went to follow Evero to Carolina. Um, it, it, it's, I'm sad to see them go because I've heard a lot of you know very good things about both these coaches, right. how both of them have defensive coordinator in their future, and if not, you know, head coach at some point down the line. But until we – I don't – Obviously, we don't know who's going to be brought in to replace them, and there are both of them. They still have their their issues and their concerns. Christian Parker, he's done a great job bringing around some defensive defensive backs over his time, but like at the same time, Riley Moss, which he wasn't fully in the decision on drafting Riley Moss or getting him out on the field, but he couldn't push for Riley Moss to get on the field a little bit more when Fabian Moreau was very clearly not it. Damari Mathis never really developed under him. I mean, it's great that McMillan did. Um, a lot of people want to give him credit for Patrick Sertan, but Patrick Sertan would have most would have developed under basically anybody. Like the mm -hmm. talent was always there. He always had the skill set. Um, despite my own questions about what scheme he's better fit for. Well, this last year we were proven that he is much better fit in man coverage and zone 
as Denver had to rely so much on zone and he kind of uh, struggled a little bit more there. Mm-hmm. But we didn't see these development on some of these other guys that he's got to work with a little bit. And then Marcus Dickin, Marcus, Marcus Dixon as well on the defensive line. Obviously, he was he was big from what I've heard in drafting Aoma Uwazarike, wanting to work with him and develop that, obviously, with the mm-hmm. suspension, with him being uh you know going and betting on games that he was playing in and you know potential identity theft stuff like identity fraud that he's all in trouble for and still going to court hearings about I'm not gonna see what that kind of what that turned out but Matt Henningsen Jonathan Harris these are yeah. guys that really didn't develop under Marcus Dixon and I mean he didn't wasn't the only one working with Jonathan Harris but the defensive line just really didn't you know wasn't there this year so there's concerns with both of them. We'll have to wait and see who Denver brings in, see what they can do. I wish them nothing the best, nothing but the best. Um, luck, or best of luck on their, you know, their next steps in Philly and Minnesota, and uh, still, still two guys that, with everything I've heard, I'm still going to be following their careers, seeing if they can't make that jump to defense coordinator. And if they do, how do they do? Did the Broncos miss out on a potential great defensive coordinator there, or did they kind of get lucky a little bit? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Christian Parker specifically in Philadelphia pans out. And obviously, I'm going to do a little bit of dot connecting. And Eric, if you want to recant on something like this, I mean, obviously, Christian Parker and Justin Simmons had a very strong relationship in uh, in the Broncos secondary room. Uh, Vic Fangio and Justin Simmons maybe didn't see eye to eye, but there's a lot of speculation of Simmons being a potential trade candidate. Is that something that uh, could potentially be in the cards here with Justin Simmons being a Philadelphia Eagle in 2024? Well, the Philadelphia Eagles, they've been linked to, they were linked to Justin Simmons before they even traded for uh, Kevin Biard from Tennessee mm-hmm. this last year. A lot of people were, you know, connecting that dots. And then the whole stuff with Justin Simmons and Vic Fangio, there's been so much stuff flung out there that most of it is probably just, you know, exaggerated half truths. Um, but there was definitely a connection between Simmons and uh, Christian Parker. I mean, a guy like a player like Justin Simmons, like every team is basically going to be willing to go bring him in, even if you know Fangio and Simmons didn't see eye to eye. And what's funny too with this, since you brought up the stuff about them not getting along, there was a rumor going around that Justin Simmons basically started ignoring Vance jo- or Vic Fangio there towards the end and started calling hit the place himself. Same people who started going that are now talking about how. Justin Simmons and Vic Fangio are the best of friends, and that's why this partnership makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just one of those things of like a lot of stuff comes out, um, a lot of half truths, a lot of exaggerated true, um, you know, false narratives, things like that. Justin Simmons would make sense for Philadelphia as they're trying to rework that secondary. Um, but at the same time, Justin Simmons is the type of player that would make sense for just about anyone. Yeah, really pretty much so. I mean, we're talking about a, a top five uh safety at the in the NFL currently. I mean, he leads the the leads the league in interceptions, at least uh, to my knowledge, since like 2019. So he makes and sense for pretty much everybody. Real quick, guys, we don't have Scott with us tonight. Um, he is at a baseball game. It is just us. And for a bit of programming note uh notes, we do have to get out of here early. Unfortunately, I have had some stuff come up, so we were gotta be out of here within the next 20 minutes. Um, we also have a read from one of our sponsors. So Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, knows football fans love a great game and a great deal. So we're tossing out a challenge and calling it Pick 6 First Slices in Sticks. If there's a Pick 6 during Super Bowl 58, fans who accepted the challenge on our app will get a free Slices and Sticks, period. 
Yeah, guys, we've partnered once again with NFL legend Derek Brooks of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he knows all about the pick six, having returned one during Super Bowl 37 to beat the Oakland Raiders, the Broncos' hated rival. That play led to a 44-yard touchdown and a win for the Buccaneers. So, guys, go on the Little Caesars uh, app, accept the challenge today, and win yourself some free pizza. Thank you to Little Caesars for joining us as you have here recently. We definitely appreciate your support. Guys, super. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A huge pizza, show pizza. coming in. Mike Ronquillo jumping in. Pizza, pizza. That's for sure. Thank you again, Little, uh, little Caesars. And thank you all for joining oh. us here on a wonderful Friday evening. And since we're just talking about that before we go on to getting really diving into Sean Payton's comments, I do want to grab this and address this. Zach Powers coming in. Feels gross to ask, but do we get comp picks for losing Parker and Dixon? No, we do not. No. So the whole rule is that it has to be for a promotion to defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator if you're on the offensive side of the ball. It isn't for lateral moves. I'm um, sorry. It has to be a promotion of a defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator to head coach. It's not for lateral moves. It's not for defensive coordinator. It's not for um, – positional coaches getting promoted to a off coordinator position for the coaching aspect of it. They have to be the offensive coordinator or defense coordinator for at least two years before you can qualify for a comp pick. If they get hired on as a head coach elsewhere front office, it's a little bit different, but basically it's, you got to be a little bit underling, got to be an underling of the general manager hired for a general manager position elsewhere. Unfortunately, I wish that they would do something for position coaches getting coordinator jobs as well to help boost up that a little bit instead of, you know, constantly going with retreads, but it is what it is. And Phil McLaughlin company, evening Lance and Eric, if there's no quarterback at 12, do we take the best available or trade back and pick up more picks? First of all, thank you, Phil, for joining us. And thank you for what we're assuming are stars since you typically come in pretty early in the show with a, with some, um, we don't have Facebook up to check and no Scott in the background to let us know. Um, so next time you guys see Scott, blame him for that. Yeah, but this I think this is a good way to segue into the Sean Payton's comments that he made today. Yeah, Sean Payton made the rounds at media at uh, Radio Row, Media Row there down in Las Vegas for the Super Bowl, and he made some interesting things. Obviously, we talked a little bit about the uh, not knowing these the jersey numbers of these particular quarterbacks that are coming out in the draft. But something that he did also talk about, I wrote an article at MileHighHuddle.com. It's been live here for a couple of hours now. Make sure you guys go and check that out. He sat down with Mad Dog Sports Radio's Adam Shine, formerly with the NFL Network, and 
Adam Shine really kind of put him to the put his feet to the fire a little bit, talking about Russell Wilson and his contract and how he he's probably not going to be around this year. And Sean Payton kind of said something that I think missed a lot of people. If you only saw that, per, if you saw the the Kay Adams interview he did later during the day, uh, the uh, the one that he did with Sean Payton, with uh, with Adam Shine was the one I want to bring to you, Eric. Uh, he, Sean Payton went on to say, quote, ultimately, the one thing I would say is this. We have a great relationship, Russell Wilson and I. And, you know, there is an element of, well, that wasn't who we wanted. Everything and every ounce of our energy at the start of this was that uh, what are the things that we feel he does best for us offensively? Ultimately, we got to a stretch where we just felt like we wanted to look at Stidham. Honestly, we felt like we needed a spark offensively. We won one game, lost one game nonetheless, but I think that's part of it today. And regarding the criticism coming from media and uh, uh, media like us alike across the NFL landscape, he said uh, part of it today, I mean, you know, the noise and criticism and all those other things, it is what it is. Something that really struck out to me in that particular answer goes up to, we have a great relationship, Wilson and I, And, you know, there's that element of, well, that wasn't who we wanted. Did you catch that? And what are your immediate, like, gut reactions to that particular part of that statement? And granted, there was a little bit of a break away from that tone in that particular answer. But if you're being honest, you're saying what you think. And Sean Payton is not one to really skirt around the truth of the situation. So last year, during the whole process of Sean Payton being hired, I kept saying that Sean Payton doesn't really want to work with Russell Wilson. He doesn't mm-hmm. really want to work with Russell Wilson. It was a well-known fact around circles and around a lot of media people too. And as soon as this trouble started boiling over a little bit, a lot of these media guys are saying, Oh yeah, well, Sean Payton didn't really want to work with Russell Wilson in the first place. It was why um, Sean Payton wasn't the Broncos first choice and why the Broncos weren't Sean Payton's first choice. They just, didn't want to John Payton just didn't want to work with Russell Wilson. Well, I think that kind of confirms it. Sean Payton did not want to work with Russell Wilson. Like there's not much more to it. Um, He's very, you know, one thing about Sean Payton, he is kind of a creature of habit as a coach. And he likes to have the guys that can do what he does, what he wants to do. And that's not Russell Wilson. It was always a questionable match there, just like the matchup uh, or the match of Jerry Judy with Russell Wilson with their strengths of what they bring to the offense. They don't align properly. Yeah. It's the same thing with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And we saw the how it fizzled out. We saw a lot of work from Sean Payton trying to make things work for it and just never did. Um, as soon as. Well, it wasn't 100% that Russell Wilson was gone. It was 99.9%. As soon as they benched him, that that it was done. The parting of ways is coming. Um, you can't sit there and bench somebody who's paid as much as Russell Wilson is paid, who has as much of a, let's, let's see right here, um, a fame around him as Russell Wilson does. You can't mm-hmm. bench that, mm-hmm. then decide to keep him and ter- go back to him as a starter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever happened in the NFL. I don't think that's ever happened in a sport unless you're benching them for and for any sport, unless you're benching them for like an injury temporarily. Like we see that happen all the time, but it wasn't for an injury. It was because they wanted to spark on offense, which is a very clear sign to Russell Wilson that, Hey, you're not giving us the spark that you need, which makes that even more difficult to go back and try mm-hmm. to repair that relationship and put something on the field. 
Um, we'll probably know here in the next couple of weeks, probably sometime around the combine. Um, but the Denver Broncos, you know, will be reported by in report, um, Adam Schefter. The Denver Broncos will be releasing Russell Wilson with the post June first cut, probably here in the next two weeks. More than likely, because the, the Broncos have to make that decision by March 18th, I believe is the date. I, I've, I've said it, I don't know, 15 times. It's the fifth day of the league year, which I believe is March 18th. They have to make the, 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 the decision to release Russell Wilson. And if they don't do that, his 2025 uh, salary guarantees, which makes this thing entirely more difficult. Sean Payton kind of talked about that a little bit in another answer to Adam Shine. Uh saying like uh, like the free agency meetings are, this is a quote here so quote the free agency meetings are ongoing right now we look closely at where these pieces are you know like here are the musts that we need to have the needs and the wants and then you ask him the question about russ and that factors in it is not possible for us to do this 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 or not and i think that that decision will be sooner than later and he will know sooner than later close quote uh Peyton did a good job of saying a lot without saying very much. And also the same thing happens on the other side. He didn't say very much while also saying a lot in his interview with Kay Adams. I mean, he went on talking about like the Broncos getting on the football van and the media van and going through the process. And, you know, if, if we, if we followed along with the media van as uh, as part of the new Orleans saints, we wouldn't have drafted uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, we, we wouldn't go after one of these quarterbacks because the media is not so high on them. Uh, it, it, it He's a master in terms of just saying a lot without saying much or saying everything or saying nothing and also saying everything at the same time. It, it was very well rehearsed. It was something that you could definitely tell was he knew that he was going to be peppered with those questions and he came prepared for it, man. Like it, it's again, a masterclass and just how to play with the media, drum up some narratives, get the attention back on Sean Payton here for a couple more minutes. And then we'll see how this goes down the stretch. So a couple of people are mis misrepresenting what my full comment was. William and David, it's not that starters haven't been benched before. Mm -hmm. What I said was starters with the fame and background of and the money of Russell Wilson haven't been benched during the season and then brought back to continue starting the next season. Manning got benched. Yes, Manning was playing terribly. He was carried by a bad defense. And then they ended up switching to Brock Osweiler and then ended up switching back in the same season. And then Manning retired after the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. What I'm which was likely the case because if Manning didn't retire, there was a lot of stuff going around that Manning wasn't going to be back with the Broncos and after that Super Bowl. That's what I was getting at. It's not a it's not a thing of over two seasons. It's mm -hmm. not a thing of oh we benched the guy and then we're going to turn back to him with such a high profile quarterback. Turn back to him the next season. Mm -hmm. I know that starters have been benched not for injury. I that's I mean Zach Wilson this last year he was benched five thousand times it seemed like mm -hmm. it's and. Guess what? He's expected to be traded this offseason. That's the big thing. Where's he going to end up? So just wanted to clarify that. Um, the the extra clarification that. here, the, the extra clarification here is not only did the Broncos approach him at the bye week, which was reported widely by across the NFL, apparently they approached him uh, in preseason as well in training camp to, to try to get him to renegotiate that contract to get rid of the 2025 guarantee. Yeah. That is something that happened in preseason. This is according to Tom Pelissero, who did a, a spot with, uh, I believe it was DNVR guys, uh, Ryan Konigsberg and Zach Stevens. So you're talking about not only benching a starter, but also going to him twice beho beforehand to renegotiate that contract. And then um, 
then benching him and then bringing him back after that. Like it, it is, there's so many different pieces to this intricate web. It is so hard to really nail down everything. I, I, as I put in my article, I think Russell Wilson is as good as gone. I don't think that he's going to be a Denver Bronco. I do believe they're going to release him with the post June first designation. So they don't eat $85 million against the salary cap this year. But um, it, like, Sean Payton and George Payton kind of left that window open at least so that they didn't have to necessarily talk about it right now. And that was definitely the case with Sean Payton's comments there at the Super Bowl just a a, a little while ago. Uh, Eric, we got only a few minutes left before we both got to get out of here. I want to pivot just a little bit because we wanted to talk a little bit and breaking down some of these quarterbacks that could be potential options for the Broncos in this upcoming NFL draft. Obviously, the Broncos have the number 12 overall pick and it doesn't seem like they have the capital to move up to go get a guy like Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, despite the rumors of Drake May potentially falling down the draft board a little bit. But one guy that's been mock drafted frequently over the last handful of days has been Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy. Uh, I went back and watched a lot of tape from him, uh, four games in particular, broke down every throw, kind of watched everything that I possibly could, understanding as much of the situational aspect of football. This dude has all of the tools. But, Eric, a 12 overall seems a little bit rich, man. What do you think? So there is a lot about the whole situation with quarterbacks. Um, Drake may falling. We hear that every single year. One of the top quarterbacks is going to fall. People, you know, people in the media, uh, draft analysts, they start to overthink. Something I do too. I'll fully admit it. I start to overthink. I start to really nitpick at guys, and that sends to send them a little bit down my board. Um, happens every single year, especially with quarterbacks. Yep. Um, if Drake May falls, it'll probably be to being the third quarterback drafted in the top five instead of the second quarterback drafted in the top five. Mm-hmm. As for JJ McCarthy going as high as he is, um, there's also a really false narrative going around that when you start to see, you know, media people and mock drafts start putting guys higher, it's because they're catching up to the league. That that's not actually a thing. Um, and it's absolutely hilarious when I talk to some of the NFL guys that I know about that. They they'll sit there and laugh at me that I even mention it because it's not a thing. It's media people trying to create some kind of story for multiple reasons, clicks, views, mm-hmm. because you got to keep the conversation going. Yep. And, you know, it was just like Will Levis getting talked to as a guaranteed top 10 pick last year. Well, you end up going 33rd overall. Malik Willis being a guaranteed top 10 pick getting drafted in the third round. Desmond Ritter being a guaranteed top 15 pick. You know, it happens every year for quarterbacks. Quarterbacks always get this big old boost um, when it comes to the draft. And a lot of times it doesn't pan out that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, a couple of years ago, Justin Fields, you know, we talked about him. Big thing was that he was going to go in the top five. There was going to be four quarterbacks in the top five that year. Mm-hmm. Well, where does he go? He went 12 overall. So especially when you're talking about mid-February, late January, mid to mid-February, you know, you've seen Bo Nix, guaranteed top 10. I saw that take from one another draft analyst. JJ McCarthy, he's been the latest one to get talked about. When you see things this early, yeah, it's this I'm trying to create some kind of narrative, some kind of talking point to talk about. Start paying attention though when we get to May to April, the end of March, early April. Mm-hmm. Then you start paying attention, and if it is consistent, because that's when draft plans leak a lot more. That rant done and over with. JJ McCarthy going top ten wouldn't surprise me because he is a toolsy guy who can do a lot for the. One second, 
who can do a lot for a team, but there's a lot that he has to work on. And when I go and watch him, it was always funny to me watching him uh, happen in the national championship game a couple times. He'd make it, he made a bad throw. It ended up being completed because of the work the receiver did through a almost pick and then run, 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 touchdown. Mm-hmm. And even starting the next drive, run, 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 run. Finally, he throws a pass. Um, they took the ball out of his hands a lot. I like J.J. McCarthy. If he was mm-hmm. a selection at 12, I would be okay. I wouldn't love it. I would rather try to trade down because, to me, his value for a, with where he has that as a prospect, combine still back, needing to be factored in here. Yes. Don't have that information yet. Yep. He has a, you know, a late first-round value. And then the other two guys that were that we're probably not going to get a chance to talk about because we do have to get out of here in a couple minutes, Bo Nix and Michael Penix, those are guys I am looking at round two at the earliest. So that's just where I stand on the, these quarterbacks. And I do like what Sean Payton did have to say. He wants to fall in love with one of these guys. Yep. Well, I have a hard time seeing him fall in love with one of these guys who aren't one of the top three. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, JJ McCarthy, though, just quickly, I want I want your take on this. After I watched him specifically, um, you, you can see the tools are there. He has the athleticism. He does very well running uh, running around behind the line of scrimmage. He evades pressure. When he does throw um, at, inside the pocket, he, he does play with timing. He does play with a relative amount of accuracy. I think that there are some times where you could want a little bit better ball placement. Um One of the big things, and we talked with Nick about this in our group chat, and I'm going to try to expedite this quickly, uh, arm strength. It it looks like he has quality enough arm strength to survive at the NFL level. My big issue with him was he is a single speed thrower of the football. He does not have touch right now. He throws with timing and anticipation, and he wants the ball to be completed now. Like when the ball releases coming out of his hand, it is a single speed to the receiver. Right now, I'm going to throw it through you more than lead you into more yards after the after the catch. He doesn't use the full 53 and a half yards wide of the field. He wants the ball completed right now. That is my big issue with him, but that's something you can also coach out of him. So I disagree. I think he does throw, I think he throws with touch quite a bit. Okay. Um, especially when working over the middle. Um and that he has a my my bigger thing for him is that he doesn't seem to fully understand when it needs to be touched when he needs to you know sling it right. in there because mm-hmm. of windows that seems to be my bigger issue. A lot of the interceptions were a thing of he was trying to um, fly uh, force it through a window that wasn't there, or he just put a little bit too much touch on it and the window closed as the ball was traveling. And then with the whole thing with the arm strength, he's got an NFL arm. I think the mm-hmm. biomechanics of his body working, it's very weird watching him because his upper body works out of unison with his middle midsection, which works out of, out of sync with his feet. It's like um, you're trying to put a Rubik's Cube together, kind of. This is the best example I could think of it. And you can get three colors in, one, in a line on one spot, but you can't get the other six colors aligned. Um that's what it is when watching him and watching the mechanics and the biomechanics of the the way he moves his body when slinging through throws. Um, it's like he's almost his each section of his body. It's three different sections that are all fighting against each other when it comes yeah. to instead of working in unison, which you see a lot of great quarterbacks do something that can be worked on, something that can be developed, something that, you know, when I, I mean, I went and dug, dug this up and everything. And uh, when Drew Brees was coming out. That was one issue that people had with him. Not the three sections, but the lower body didn't always work in unison with the upper body. And that was an issue in San Diego. Again, doing a lot of digging to go and find that stuff up. Well, Sean Payton helped correct it. And there was an interview with Drew Brees 
like two years ago. It was the year he retired where he really thanked Sean Payton for helping correct that and work, make his body work. Mm -hmm. So JJ McCarthy having those issues. I do think that he, he can be a guy to help fix that with JJ McCarthy. Also the fact dude's going to be 21. I yep. mean, you, you can't undersell that. We talk about age with quarterbacks, 25 year old quarterbacks and everything like getting success from them in the NFL. Cause that's the, uh, that's the, um, what's the right term here. Um, the, the benchmark essentially like you want no, to have it's not, the... It's, not the, it's the uh you typically want their breakout year to be before 25 that's not the right mm -hmm. way to put it but um so you get a lot of time with jj mccarthy and if he does develop you get even extra time because he's only going to be 21 as a rookie he won't be 22 mm -hmm. until next i don't think he's 20 i don't think he's 21 yet i think he turns 21 here in just the next few days yep so yep i i know it's sometime in february so he's right around turning 21 years old. You get him for 21 years old for a whole year. And there's been a lot of studying with quarterbacks and their ages. 21, 22, those quarterbacks that are drafted around those ages typically go on to have, you know, careers. Granted, you know, uh, not necessarily sample mm -hmm. size, but um, not everyone fits into it. It's just the rates and all that stuff like that, you know. Um, but you typically yep. want a quarterback to be 21, 22. And, well, here's JJ McCarthy about to turn 21 yep. years old. He just turned 21, by the way. I looked it up as you were talking. Uh, January 20th was his 21st birthday. Oh, so it, it is it is what it is. I do that all the time on this show. Um, yeah, just turned 21 in January. Uh, he's got a long ways to go. He does seem to have a very good poise and maturity about him, and he does seem to be a very uh, – very smart quarterback. Like he he knows kind of what he's looking at. He processes well for being as young as he is. I, there's there's multiple issues, Eric. I think you and I kind of came a it came to an alignment. I I worded it the wrong way with like the single speed thrower and not really utilizing the windows the right way. I think we kind of see eye to eye on that. Regardless, this has been a very fun show, guys. It, it's been a quick show, an expedited show. Eric, I know you've got plans going on. I also have plans as well. Yeah. We do apologize for being short and sweet with you guys here on a wonderful Friday evening. We typically like to do an hour, but we both do have to get out of here. Hopefully you guys can forgive us. Come back next week. We're going to get into the mock draft we were going to do this week, but the Sean Payton news uh, really was kind of the driving force of try getting – uh, we had to we had to talk about that, man. That's that's a big part of the news in Broncos country right now. But with that, guys, I do bid you all adieu. You all stay safe and take care. For Eric Trickle, I am Lance. Eric, okay. you got last words here? Yeah, one thing that I want to grab here, and Zach Powers, because Zach Powers brings up the thing that I love most about JJ McCarthy. Yes, mm -hmm. he comes through in the clutch and he completes third downs incredibly, and scrambles for first downs when necessary as well. I feel he could run last year's offense without a hiccup. Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't fully agree with the run last year's offense without a hiccup. Um, that's a big jump with what he's being asked to process mentally. Um, even though he played in a pro-style offense, the reads were very limited. He wasn't asked to make pro reads in that offense. They dumbed that down a little bit for him. So there would be hiccups with the mental aspect of it. However, of out of the all these quarterbacks in the draft, there wasn't a single person who was better on third and longs or fourth downs than J.J. Mm -hmm. McCarthy. Mm -hmm. Even third and mediums, I think he was still, I think he was like the second best of the group. Third yeah. shorts, they took the ball out of his hands a little bit, trusted the run game. So sample size there was, you know, much slimmer than a lot of some of these other quarterbacks. Um, but yes, he's a guy, he's not afraid to to make the throws when needed. He, he'll push the ball when needed. Like the mentality is there, but I just do have questions about him, you know, with the NFL type reads that he's going to have to make after having such a simplified read offense that he had at Michigan pro style with the reads again. 
made it were made very simple for him. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. The one thing I like about the Michigan offense is they made him actually a drop back passer. They ran him under center. He ran the most through drop back passes of any quarterback in this year's class, at least from my recollection off the top of my head. So that is something that he also has a boost going into the NFL with is guys like Michael Pratt struggled taking the ball from our center at the senior bowl, fumbled what seven times, I think something like that throughout the week. And his footwork coming from under center was terrible. Well, JJ McCarthy at least be, has that ability. I w- to be fair, Michael Pratt, it wasn't that his footwork was an issue and fumbling at the senior bowl even though we didn't see it with other guys, that still is a problem of just this a different change in center. Right. I mean, we see we hear that all the time in the NFL. Oh, yeah. It's a oh, yeah. center. There's going to be issues with the snap thing. So I'm not – I mean, it's still a concern, especially with no other quarterback having those issues. But Michael Pratt, when he watches tape, he does fine working out from underneath center. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the footwork isn't bad. He didn't have a whole lot of – I don't think he had any fumbles working under center at Tulane. So it really screams that the biggest issue was – um, just to change that center for him. But there are a lot of other issues with Michael Pratt besides mm-hmm. that that put him significantly down to maybe round five, round six type guy mm-hmm. for me um, compared to when a couple weeks ago I was talking about him possibly around third. Like digging into his tape even more, watching the senior bowl stuff. Yeah. I, I haven't got a chance to I haven't got a chance to dive into Pratt. I've done the top three guys, obviously McCarthy, Nix, and Penix. Uh, I did a lot of Joe Milton the other day. Uh, Spencer Rattler was another guy I watched a lot of. Um, I, I haven't gotten to Pratt yet. I'm intrigued to see what that tape looks like. Regardless, though, guys, we do absolutely right now have to get out of here. Yeah. So I do bid you guys adieu. You all have a great, wonderful Friday evening, a great rest of your weekend. Stay safe and take care. For Eric Trickle, I am Lance Sanderson. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. And as always, go Broncos! You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.